0: Hello and welcome to the Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast. My name is Neil Began, firm leader of our Risk Advisory Group. And today in the next installment of our Risk and Review podcast series, we are going to outline the latest SOX 404 considerations as public companies wrap up their first quarter filings and move into the summer. Uh, During this podcast, we wanna pay attention to the people, the processes and technology. And as a result, we will uncover focus areas uh, looking at business and operational considerations as companies begin the planning process for the second half of their 2022 SOX year. With me today is Gareth Montague-Smith and Peyton Black, leaders in Cherry Records Risk Advisory SOX practice. Gareth and Peyton, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Neil. Thanks, sir.
0: This new episode in the Risk and Review series is structured, as always, with just five key questions around the topic. So let's jump right in. With SOX planning well underway, Gareth, I'm going to start with you. What are some of the most pressing and important issues that companies should be looking at right now as we enter the summer
2: well i think the most pressing one that sort of bothers me or concerns me is people um you know what does your team look like both in terms of the numbers of resources but also the skills that you have on your team presently i think that the great resignation has raised the potential for a company not to have the right complement of folks so thinking potentially about another staffing arrangement be it hiring more people, which is most likely pretty expensive these days due to the shortage of folks. Um, and obviously there's an impact to your budget. And, and what does that look like? Or do you supplement your teams with a co-source provider, but they haven't been immune to the great resignation either. So aligning their resources and your timing is going to take some maneuvering and planning. I Also think that you know, while there's definitely a sort of COVID fatigue, and most of us are, myself included, and I quote, over it, managing hybrid teams is going to be continue to be a significant factor in both recruiting and retaining team members. So being able to understand what your team members want in terms of a hybrid work model will continue to be really important and probably ever changing. Um, and of course that then plays in how into how you execute your SOX plan for the year.
0: Thanks, Gareth. I mean, when you talk about people in COVID, certainly two topics that have been talked about extensively over the past several years not new to the audience but certainly good to get to grips early on you know staffing and having a plan is 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 going to be paramount so peyton same kind of question for you in terms of what is on your mind at this point during the year
1: yeah thanks neil um you know i think something that's really particularly relevant and timely right now would be paying attention at June 30th to see what your market capitalization is. For a calendar year public filer, June 30th is the measurement date um, to determine your filing status for that year, which it, which could impact whether your external auditor has to opine on your internal controls over financial reporting or not. Um, you know, and, and, and that could really significantly impact your SOX plan for the next six to eight months. Um, you know, last year, one of my clients was trending towards non accelerated filer status in SOX 44A due to their market cap and revenue. Um, however, you know, right at the June 30th measurement date, their market cap had jumped, so they just barely met the large accelerated filer criteria. And they were now unexpectedly subject to SOX 44B and external audit attestation requirements um, of their ICFR. Which you know had a big impact for the rest of the year, you know, budget-wise and time um, commitments needed by, um, you know, the, the company, um, you know, and and additionally, I think a um, a potential refresh or rationalization of controls is always a good idea. Um, you know, at, over time, companies can often become over-controlled, or the controls just haven't really kept up with the changes in the company, um, and, and so one of the focus areas we have seen emerge here is the concept of common controls Um, and what we have seen over the last few years companies um, you know are pushing to lessen the internal time spent on testing internal controls one such way that companies have tried to do this is to group certain controls together Uh, for example you know maybe some of the control that operates over a number of different locations or geographies Uh, There is some pushback on this approach and really centers around, you know, various factors, including the effectiveness and precision of entity level controls, the history of control effectiveness, and the identification of unique and different risks affecting the the operation of controls. Thanks, Peyton.
0: Certainly some some good info to consider there. I want to come back to you, Gareth. Um, You know, Much like the people and and, uh, COVID comment I mentioned earlier, cybersecurity still remains absolutely relevant, and certainly uh, with the uh, SEC recently releasing some proposed regulations around additional disclosure requirements around cybersecurity incidents and governance. I wanted to get your opinion on in the event that these proposed regulations do become final, how do you see that impacting SOX efforts?
2: Yeah, um, obviously it's going to depend on what's finally passed in terms of the regulations and I I think the comment period is up um, so I don't know the turnaround time in in issuing final uh, regulations, but as the proposed regulations were written, specifically in the area of additional proposed disclosures, there might be some overlap to SOX procedures that the companies are already doing, maybe in the financial reporting process and even the entity level controls area, so I could see them sort of the the, the SOX program morphing and, and absorbing some of the disclosure like processes and um, items that need to be disclosed. Outside of SOC's specific testing um, and and looking prospectively, could also see situations where internal audit could operationally test how the regulations have been implemented, um, obviously post-implementation, and then actually monitor compliance on a go-forward basis. So I guess we'll just have to see what what exactly is issued final, Um, but certainly an area I'd expect to see a lot more focus on given the constantly changing environment yeah, absolutely agree, and one that we as Cherry Becker will,
0: will continue to monitor closely. We've had some thought leadership. Here's a shameless plug for you guys on uh, the proposed regulations around cybersecurity that you can uh, check out on our website, and we'll plug that location later on in this podcast, but um, something to think about and certainly watch closely. Uh, Peyton, coming back to you for um, one of the last questions. In a previous life, you worked as a director of internal audit um, and actually managed co-providers uh ironically enough including Gareth and that's where we had crossed paths years ago too Um, any thoughts on the use of co-source providers in general auditor
1: alignment yeah I mean I think um you know as always and this seems really obvious um, but a lot of companies don't necessarily do this well is communicating regularly with your external auditors is is just critical to the success of any SOX program uh, where the auditor has to issue their attestation or, you know, 4-4-B opinion. Um, you know, we've found that weekly or bi-weekly recurring status meetings uh, to be a good start, but but really just spending a lot of time with them to understand their approach is critical. You know, the firms are are always tweaking their methodologies, which can sometimes impact their, their audit approach year over year, uh, and understanding those changes and how they may impact your SOX program is important. Um, you know, particularly if there's any sort of reliance strategy on the work of internal audit. Um, and you know, oftentimes your service provider can help you stay current with auditor headwinds or, or hot buttons and, and can help you prepare for those changes. Um, one final thought as it relates to the al- alignment with external auditors is the area of the use of a specialist. So we've seen numerous examples of a company hiring a specialist to help with a complex transaction or balance. You know, think like an actuary or purchase price allocations, and then the external auditor specialist um, disagrees with some of the assumptions or inputs and calculates a different and sometimes a materially different balance, Um, and that's obviously not where you want to be. No, obviously not, and I
0: appreciate that, Peyton, and and I know we said five questions. We're going to stick to five questions, but I kind of want to piggyback on that with with respect to your last point there because I do think it's important. So, what uh, could a company do to try and get ahead?
1: Um, you know, I, I think getting the external auditors involved early in the process is is critical. Uh, having them review drafts and provide feedback and even having them communicate directly with your specialists um, in designing the approach and agreeing on inputs and assumptions, you know, that can eliminate a ton of issues at year end.
2: Yeah, and Pete, I'll, I'll just piggyback on that one. I mean, this one to me is really d- disappointing or frustrating from a company's perspective, right? Because they presumably been self-aware enough to realize that they might not have the right skills or resources on their team, gone out and hired a reputable third-party specialist to help fill that gap, only to find the external audited specialist disagrees. And Where the real frustration comes in, if that's not frustrating enough, is that it's usually a big deal because usually, by the nature of the transaction, it's unusual and frequent. It's often really difficult to remediate timely as you don't know when the next instance will occur. So. Well, very disappointing or frustrating when that we see those situations arise yeah, yeah
1: that's a great that's a great great point gareth yeah. and um you know i think just having that communication like i mentioned is is just is really key to trying to avoid uh, you know those those type of issues agreed yeah thank you both thank
0: you Peyton. thank you gareth for your insights we said we keep it to five questions i believe we did and obviously those five questions um you know really focused on what we consider Uh, some of the primary important focus areas for 2022 SOX planning. And we wanted to cover that as part of our risk and review series. I hope our audience took away uh, value here from from the last few minutes spent with us. I know I certainly did want to thank the audience for listening. As we look to the summer, uh, we ask that you stay tuned for more risk topics in the series, including areas like ESG, responsible innovation, uh, information technology, enterprise risk management, as well as other insightful topics on SOX 404, uh, looking at even 404A versus 404B, which you heard Peyton touch on earlier. For more information on SOX compliance or how your company can be prepared, assess overall trends and benchmarking in the SOX regulatory landscape, as well as stay in compliance and proactively tackle any current or prior year issues, we ask that you visit cbh.com forward slash risk. We've also recently published an article on the topic that was covered in today's podcast series, outlining nine focus areas for 2022 planning, we ask that you please check that out. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe to the Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast. And thanks again so much for listening. Take care.